Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, on Palmer. On Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is on Palmer. Number two here coming at you on a Wednesday. Working towards the weekend. We're going to get there halfway home. It's a game day here in Baton Rouge. Tigers welcoming Bruce Pearl's Auburn Club for a 6 o'clock tip-off. 5.30 pregame on Eagle 98.1. You can catch the game on ESPN2 tonight. We'll see if LSU can get a win. Uh, usually I talk about keys to the game and like what I think is possible in the game at the end of the segment. And that would make a lot of sense. But I'm going to start things off just in this segment saying, look, LSU can win tonight. I know that's a difficult thing to, to try to comprehend when you consider that they went to College Station and got beat by double digits and were down the entire game. And they came home and played Florida, who's okay, and they got beat by double digits at the end of the game. And they went to Tuscaloosa and got absolutely embarrassed. And all that stuff did happen. But LSU is still a functional basketball team. They're short on talent and they're limited. But they beat Wake, who's off to a really good start in the ACC. They played Kansas State to the buzzer. We saw what they did last night. They're in business in the Big 12 and they just beat Kansas last night. They did beat an Arkansas team that has not played well, but it is fairly talented. They went to Rupp and they were right in the game against the Kentucky team that, again, is not going to go to the Final Four as of this juncture, but they've got some talented players on their team. Maybe they figured out, maybe they don't, but they've got some talented guys, and LSU played them right there. And Auburn is a good basketball team. They're not an elite basketball team. I don't think they're a top-two team in the SEC. I think they're going on the road where they lost to a Georgia team that I don't think is great. LSU can win the game tonight. They're going to have to make some shots. They're going to have to knock down some threes. They got to rebound way better than they have. And there are some more things that I'll talk about at the end of the show, at the end of the segment after I get go through some of Auburn's metrics and their personnel. But this is a winnable game. Auburn's 14 and three, which is a nice record. They're four and one in the league. They beat Florida by three. They beat Arkansas by 13. They beat Ole Miss by nine. They beat Mississippi State by six. They lost to Georgia by 12 points. They scored 64 in that game. If you heard our interview with Jason Caldwell almost an hour ago, he said, look, they couldn't make any shots in the game. Maybe the most boring cliche I can throw at you as far as basketball and boiling it down is that it's a shot-making sport. No joke. You got to put it in the basket. But that's true. And sometimes... Teams can't make any shots. And at times, Auburn has been a team that has struggled to make shots. They don't have anybody on this team like Jabari Smith to hand the ball to and say, hey, go score. There's not. They got some good players. They've won some games. 
but they're not some elite Auburn outfit that we've seen a couple times in the Bruce Pearl era. Um, they're average in terms of their tempo. I thought they'd be a little quicker, 144th in the country. Of course, we know that LSU wants to slow games down. Their offensive efficiency is 139th in the country. That's no great shakes. Points per game, 121st. Three-point shooting percentage, 315th in the country. We've seen Bruce Pearl teams come in there, and they're going to put up 33 threes, whether you like it or not. Here they come, fast and furious. That's not what this team is. They do shoot some free throws. They're 30th in the country in free throws attempted per game. But they're flawed on offense at times. 64 points on Georgia. 61 on Florida. Sometimes it's not there. They block a lot of shots on defense. They're fifth in the country in block shots. Their defensive efficiency is 16th. They've played well defensively. That doesn't bode well for an LSU offense that's very much had trouble getting out of neutral. Maybe even getting the doors unlocked, quite frankly. It's, it's been ugly for the last two weeks for LSU offensively. And Auburn's good on defense and they block a lot of shots. So let me stop there and go to an LSU point. It might behoove LSU in this game if you're Adam Miller, or especially if you're Juice Hill, maybe if you're Cam Hayes, if you win off the dribble or you get the ball on a cut, it's okay to pull up from five feet and shoot it. Put it off the glass. Jani Broom's going to be down there. He's, he's trouble. He blocks a lot of shots. And LSU has not shown itself to be quite capable at this point of either A, drawing contact, or B, finishing at the rim. They cannot finish. So why do we keep trying to do this? I realize you can't stop trying to attack the rim and shoot layups all together. But what's wrong with a five-footer? Now, Nate Oates would kick me out of the studio, throw a muzzle of my mouth, and kick me down the stairs if I said what's wrong with a five-footer. They're only shooting layups. But LSU's tried that for two weeks straight, and they don't score on any of them. So maybe something different. Pull up, teardrop. Jump stop, off the glass. Something a little different. I would like to see a little bit of, of, of offense from around the rim. So we'll get into to Auburn personnel-wise. Um, Wendell Green makes him go. He's the offense. They've got other players, but Wendell Green is the guard who has the ball in his hands more than anybody else, who takes more shots than anybody else. He's a 5'11 junior, scores 13.5 points per game, four assists per game. Hasn't been a great shooter this year, just 29% from three. Good free throw shooter, high volume shooter. Wendell Green, 5'11 guard, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Zepp Jasper may have the most startling um, statistical line for the year for a starting SEC player on a good team I have ever seen. He is a 6'1 grad transfer, graduate student guard who has started every game. He averages three points and less than half an assist. He has nine assists on the season, averages three points per game, and he starts every game in the backcourt for a good team. This is as non-factor an offensive player as I can recall looking at on a stat sheet. If Zepp Jasper goes for 26 tonight, and LSU loses, I'll come apologize on tomorrow's show. But I look at him right now and I go, this guy doesn't do anything. Not only does he not pass, he doesn't really score. 
But those are your two starting guards. They'll bring KD Johnson off the bench. We talked in the last uh, last hour with Jason Caldwell about him. KD Johnson was a an emotional leader for that team last year. You know, you go into Auburn Arena and it's the jungle and you got the students going all over the place and Jabari shooting threes and Duncan and Walker Kessler's blocking shots and you know, KD Johnson was a big part of that. Now he comes off the bench and hasn't been very good for him. Chris Moore is going to start. He's kind of an enforcer. 6'6", 230, junior. Six points, two rebounds per game. Just a big, big athletic body. Same thing with Jalen Williams. 6'8", 230. He's a senior. A little bit better shooter. Ten points per game, five rebounds. A little bit more impactful. Those two guys are pretty big uh, on the wings with Chris Moore and Jalen Williams. And then here is Jani Broom. And Jani Broom is a transfer from Moorhead State. Well, what do we know about Moorhead State? They're in the same conference as Murray State. So Matt McMahon has seen Jani Broom play. He's a sophomore, 6'10", 235, and he and K.J. Williams went at it three times last year, twice in the regular season, once in the conference tournament final. Here is how those matchups went last year. In the first matchup between Moorhead State and Murray State, K.J. Williams had 21 points and 9 rebounds. Jani Broom, 14 points, 11 rebounds. K.J. outscored him, but Jani had the double-double. Compe- uh, you know, pretty competitive game. Round two, K.J. Williams goes for 21-12, and 12, double-double. Jani Broom, 14-12, and 12, another double-double. These two guys are both 6'10". They both got wide frames, and they've seen each other a lot. And I was a little surprised when I saw the last stat line from the conference championship game. We know Murray State won the game. Jani Broom, 32 points and 8 rebounds in that game for Moorhead State. K.J. Williams, 8 points, 10 rebounds. So Murray State got the better of them. They're a better team. But Jani Broom and K.J. Williams, they played tough. And in those three games, you're talking about 60 points from Jani Broom. You're talking about 33, 31 rebounds. That's, that's Yeoman's work. He's third in the SEC in blocks this year. Second in rebounds this year in the SEC with eight and a half. He's an impactful big, and he's a back-to-the-basket guy. Not going to stretch you very much. You're going to have to play him around the bucket. So that's Auburn from a a personnel perspective. Wendell Green's going to have the ball a ton. He's the guy you got to watch at 5'11". The other three guys on the wings don't do a ton offensively. They're average players. Jani Broom, big 6'10 post. I told you I don't need LSU driving in there and getting shots blocked on the reg. Now, if you've got Hannibal or somebody you trust, even Miller at times, to get into Janai Broom's body and get some foul trouble, that's fine. Juice Hill, probably not. Justice Williams, probably not. If those guys want to pull up from five feet, I'm fine with that. Having guys who haven't finished all year get in there and try to finish at the rim, not super exciting to me. And... In this game, it sounds like Cam Hayes is going to start. That's important for LSU. Is he an all-league player? He is not. Is he your best option handling the ball and creating some offense? I believe he is. He's been a little banged up. He played a little bit on Saturday. He's had a couple days off. He needs to be out there playing in this game. And quite frankly, to win this game, I believe LSU is going to need to make 12 or 13 threes. 
It's a daunting task, but it can be done. And I'm okay if LSU shoots some more threes as opposed to the twos. Your two-point percentage is bad. If you want to get steals and runouts and dunk, that's a good two. If you can crash the offensive boards and get a cheap putback, that's a good two. But your percentages aren't very good, and you're not an awful three-point shooting team. I'm not going to put you up there with Golden State just yet, but you can make some threes. I'm okay with Miller shooting 11 or 12 threes. I'm okay with Hayes shooting eight or nine threes. I'm okay with KJ shooting eight or nine threes. I'm okay with Juice Hill shooting three or four threes. That's 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 basketball. And if you create them by high ball screens, that's good. If you create them in transitions, that's good. If you create them by throwing the ball to KJ Williams, making Auburn double team him, and then throwing the ball out from the double team, I'm good with that too. But you got to get some some good looks, ten toes at the rim, put up some threes. There have been LSU teams in the recent past where I said stop shooting threes. Last year was one of those times. You got Gaines out there, Pinson out there. They're not great three-point shooters. I don't need to see him shot. But this team does have some guys that can make some shots. I need to see that tonight. You're going to have to shoot it pretty well to beat uh, a pretty good Auburn team. But again, an Auburn team that can be beaten. I'll tell you where I think Auburn lands in the SEC coming up with our power rankings at 230. When we come back, I think we all kind of revel in the, uh, in the misery of other SEC brethren. And right now, it's a little cranky in Gainesville. Uh, it's some issues with Jalen Rashad of the quarterback in their signing class. We'll talk about that next on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Bet the NFL playoffs with FanDuel where every play is a rush. This weekend, FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay during the divisional round. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your NFL playoff same-game parlay does not hit. Same-game parlays let you combine all your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. You can bet a quarterback's passing touchdowns, anytime touchdown score, running backs on their rushing yards, you can even ride with thousands of other fans and bet popular same-game parlays already made for you. If you're new to FanDuel, sign in with the promo code 1045ESPN to see why. It's America's number one sportsbook. If you already have FanDuel, you can start building your no-sweat same-game parlay today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and present in Louisiana. Three-plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued knowledge all free bet that expires seven days after receipt. Max bonus $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fandle.com. If you're somebody who has a gaming problem wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. By now, you're probably aware of the uh, the drama that's going on in Gainesville with um, five-star quarterback signee Jaden Rashada. Uh, if you're not, I can run it down pretty quickly here. Uh, this is a kid who was very highly recruited. He uh, he comes out of Pittsburgh, California, and he's a, a dual-threat quarterback who a lot of schools are in on. And Miami secures his commitment in June of 2022, so this past summer. We know that Miami has gotten very heavy into the NIL game. John Ruiz is throwing out a bunch of cash, transfers, basketball, baseball, football. Miami signing class ended in the top five this year. Miami's a good place to recruit to. It's 
got great weather and got some got some history and it's in a great spot in terms of geography with talent around it. They were fighting for a really tough, great class. So in June they get Jaden Rashada's commitment. November the tenth, Rashada decommitted to Miami and committed to Florida, where he would sign six weeks later. Now the reports are that Jaden Rashada signed with an understanding that he would receive a compensation that is, again, reportedly in the ballpark of $13 million over three years. And now, reportedly, things are not going as planned, and Jaden Rashada wants out of his uh, letter of intent. Now, this is absolute diesel fuel to the fire of those who say that name, image, and likeness is going to wreck the sport. You've got a kid from California who commits one place for money, and keep in mind, I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. He's from California. He commits one place just for money. Then he gets more money somewhere else, so he commits there. Then they're not going to give him the money, so he's leaving, and the whole thing's screwed up. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you that that's a crazy line of thought. I do have an opinion on it. My opinion is two-pronged. One, I don't believe that quarterbacks are going to be annually offered $13 million contracts to go play college football. I don't think that will continue. I don't know that that's what Jaden Rashada, Rashada got. It's been reported that way. We'll just have it that way for the, for the sake of the conversation. Something's up. It might as well be this. I don't think that's going to continue. I also think that I can build a football team, including the quarterback position, that doesn't involve me getting tied into $13 million deals. I'm not naive enough to sit here and say that Jaden Rashada is the first player to commit to a place, have some promises at that place, then have some better promises somewhere else and change. Whether it's name, image, and likeness that's legal or whether it's you know a small chunk of cash in a McDonald's bag. Like, that stuff is real. Jaden Rashada's not the first kid who's gone somewhere because of money. But I would be a little bit careful because you're going to create some significant issues in your program if you single guys out and give deals this big. And the whole time we're circling around this story, all of the college football world, understanding that it's clearly spelled out in the quote-unquote rules that name, image, and likeness promises cannot be used as inducements in recruiting. And that's all we're talking about here based on all the reporting. Florida got real aggressive and a little cranky because their class wasn't shaping up and said, well, we'll do this. One, we need to stamp Miami out. Got to you know, make sure that they're, they, don't, they don't become a factor because that's bad for us. We need to get some players out of South Florida. Two, we're not getting enough players. We got to get this kid. And then you overcommitted. This just in, a little easier to fulfill a $50,000 request than a $13 million request. I'm just making up some numbers here. But 
For those that suggest that this is the end of days for college football, I would suggest it's not. I would suggest players have been getting paid forever and that $13 million is going to be an outlier and I think fairly laughable down the road. Now, there are college football players that are worth $13 million to their school. Joe Burrow made LSU $13 million. Not that the schools are paying them, but you understand the point. Tim Tebow, in his time in Florida, was worth $13 million, far more than that. Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, national champs over there. Johnny Manziel made A&M more than $13 million. But it's not going to be promised to high school kids out of the shoot. I just don't think that's sustainable. There are a lot of rich people. There are a lot of money. There's a lot of money in college athletics. But as long as it's coming out of boosters' pockets, and sometimes with names attached to it, we understand where a lot of guys have benefited financially, name, image, and likeness in Baton Rouge. We run some commercials on this station. Multiple businesses. But I don't... $13 million. And quite frankly, if this thing falls through and they do release him and he ends up somewhere else, I think Florida can land on his feet without a 17, 18-year-old kid who believes himself to be a $13 million man. And again, I will, I will clarify, if I'm an 18-year-old kid and some guy in a blue and orange shirt says, hey, man, I got $13 million here, I'm certainly not going to tell him to kick rocks. That's an enticing deal. But all of a sudden, it becomes all about that, and that creates some problems. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You got a left tackle and a wide receiver not making $13 million. And they're cranky because the $13 million man doing some other things with his money. And it just, and this is not Jaden Rashad's fault. It just is what it is. That type of dynamic can't be good for a locker room, in my opinion. I don't think things in Gainesville are quite as bad as you would hope from this side of the fence. Sitting here in Baton Rouge, understanding that's a rival. What's that signing class look like? What's quote unquote Sunbelt Billy doing? It's easy to jump down the throat and say they're a disaster and things are in shambles and it's never going to work. I'm not there, but they do have some some issues that need to be ironed out. In year one, I would not call resounding success, but it's still year one. We'll see what's to come. I don't think Jaden Rashad is going to be a part of it, however. 
and we'll see where he lands because both decisions he's made by all reports, just taking what people say, came from, all right, who's got the checkbook here? Oh, you do? Where do I sign? All right, endorse that. What, what Can I, that bank down the street? I, I can, okay, good. That seems like where he continues to walk, and that seems dicey. A lot of layers to it. It's not cut and dried. It's not black and white. It's not as simple as we should never give them a cent, and it's not as simple as the players should have the power, let them do whatever they want. I refuse to believe either one of those absolutes are true. But I think as each situation arises, you can understand what is working and what isn't, what is good and what is quote-unquote bad. This one has a sour taste to it. And I don't know what the ending's going to be, but it doesn't sound great. LSU's quarterback room seems to be in pretty good shape, though. Greener pastures over here for the time being. We'll come back with some SEC power rankings on the basketball side. We'll finish things up with taking or leaving. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Bayou Ford. BayouFord.com is the website. I invite you to go as often as you like because they update that website as inventory comes in and as it moves out. Got some great deals on F-150s. Got some great deals on Black Widows. If that's what you want, check the website out and see what they got. If they don't have exactly what you want, just call Ben Gagne's team. Let them customize a vehicle for you. I love the because last time I purchased a vehicle, I did go to the dealership and I walked around and I drove two cars and then I sat down at the table and we signed all the paperwork and it took like it took a long time. Didn't have to this time around. They can customize a vehicle for you. They can have it brought to their dealership. They'll get one of their six full-time drivers to drive it right to your front door with all the paperwork. You do it from the comfort of your home, own home. And then when you're done, car's right there in the driveway. Guys from Bayou Ford will head on back to the dealership. And if you need a little head start on the purchase of that new vehicle, they got a great buy-back program. They'll buy your current vehicle from you, give you that head start on your new wheels. Every new purchase, one million mile powertrain warranty over at Bayou Ford. Check out that website, BayouFord.com. Bayou Ford. Where they're going to do right by you. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Now that I've done these basketball power rankings for a few weeks, I'm determining that these are far more volatile than the football power. Football, you kind of stayed in your little cluster more often than not. Now, there were some times where teams jumped up and down. Certainly LSU I had down like around 11 after uh, after Tennessee maybe. And then they were up at two at one point. So, yeah, there is some volatility. Kentucky and their offense nosedived. That wasn't great. But these, it's like week to week moving like crazy. Start at the top with Bama. Everybody knows at this point. They've all won all six of their league games by double digits. They're 16-2 and two overall. I think they might be the best team in the country, which is nauseating. Um, Tennessee, I've got it two still. 15-3, and 5-1. and one. Had the hiccup uh, against Kentucky in Knoxville, but they were good again last night, especially on offense in Starkville. So go ahead and give them the nod at number two. And I think the gap between two and three is real sizable. I think if you asked four people who the third best team in the SEC was, you might get four answers. And that was kind of what we were thinking about in football this year when everybody thought it was Georgia and Bama and, and who was third. 
and for a while there it was Tennessee, and then you could maybe throw LSU in there at a certain point, and Bama may have bounced out, and, you know. But it felt like that at the beginning, and right now it feels like that with with basketball, where there's two guys, there's two teams, everybody else is kind of running running third. You heard me talk about this team at the top of the hour and say they weren't that good. They're good, they're not that good, and they're beatable. But I don't have anybody to slam dunk ahead of Auburn at number three. I, I don't even like this. I don't even like this. But the teams I've got at four, five, six, and seven, I don't like at three either. I don't like anybody at three. Three feels too close to Tennessee and and above some teams that you may not be better than. But I'll put Auburn there. They're 14 and three. They're four and one in the league. Their wins are not that impressive. They beat Florida. They beat Arkansas. They beat Ole Miss. They beat Mississippi State. But that's the thing. Once you get below three, who's that impressive? Am I going to give you a ton of credit for beating Kentucky? Missouri did it by a thousand. South Carolina did it. LSU was right there. How how do how good do I feel about them at three? Would I give you a ton of credit for beating Arkansas? Everybody says they got two lottery picks. They're one and four in the league. A and M, no, not what they did in the non conference. So I got Auburn at three. I got Kentucky at four. Maybe they found something with Case and Wallace at point guard and sitting Wheeler down. They've clearly got a guy who's going to make them fairly competitive most nights with with Shibway. But I can't get over the South Carolina loss. It's just brutal. At five, I think this is a pretty big mover here. This is this was volatile. I've got A and M at five. It makes me sad. And you're talking about a team that is four zero in the league, but was atrocious in the non conference. Their four wins, Florida, LSU, Missouri, and South Carolina. That's a pretty long runway to take off from. But I have to give them credit for winning the last three, LSU, Missouri, and South Carolina, by a total of 72 points. That's 24 points per game. That's pretty salty. So I'll put A&M at five. This is where it's a total cluster at this point. I'll put Florida at six. They're ten and seven. They're that, that's a terrible record, but they're three and two in the league. They've got a difference maker on the inside. Sure, why not? I've got Georgia at seven. They're thirteen and five, three and two in league play. Nice win over Auburn. Was at home. It's the way all these wins are coming. But that. That drives Arkansas all the way down to eight. I mean, you would have never in October thought that Arkansas would be the number eight team in the league, but the story is by now very well known. You've lost two of your best players. You can't shoot. And by the way, you lost the ability to play defense last weekend and gave up 97 points to Vanderbilt. I said it on Monday. I'll say it again here on Wednesday. Arkansas is an NIT team for me right now. NIT for Arkansas. Hard to imagine when you are from back-to-back Elite Eights, you sign a top-five recruiting class in the country, and all of a sudden, I don't think you're making the NCAA tournament. We'll see. I got Missouri at nine. They're 13-4, and 2-3 and three in league play. And they lost two road games last week, which kind of knocked them down. They were up there near the top. But lost A&M, lost to Florida, both games on the road. Now you got a chance um, to come home and play Arkansas. And see what you can do. Maybe you leapfrog them, but we'll see. I do have LSU at 10. I think 
I could make the argument to put them higher, and I could certainly make the argument to put them lower, which means I think they're probably in the right place. I don't think LSU is as broken as they looked on Saturday. You were outmanned in a hornet's nest, and Bama shot it great. And that's just what's going to happen. Bama has not won their last conference game by 30 points. They will beat somebody else by a million. I know we lost by 40. I don't. They may not win another game by 40. I think they'll win another one by 30 because they can just overwhelm you. That's what happened to LSU. Keep in mind what I was talking about at the top of the hour. You played with Wake and beat them. You played with K-State, and you were a, a bucket short. You played with Kentucky at Rupp. You beat Arkansas. You have played some functional, some some talented basketball teams, and you have played with them. Some nights, LSU's not going to have it, and that's just that's just part of being a limited basketball team. But some nights they are, and I think that their competitive days are not behind them. Got them at 10. I have to drop Mississippi State down to 11. You just don't score. They're 1-5 in the league now. They're 12-6 and six overall. Here are their SEC point totals this year. 67, 53, 64, 50, 63, 59. They have not even sniffed 70 points yet in league play. I know you can defend well. I know Tolis missed a great rebounder. I know your coach is tough and I think is going to do a pretty good job there. But if you can't throw the ball in the ocean, you're not going to win. I got Mississippi State down at 11. Vandy can throw it in the ocean. They've scored a little bit. I've got them at 12. They're 9-9 nine and nine on the season, 2-3 and three in league play. They do have the benefit that two of their games between, between Bama and Tennessee are in the rearview mirror. And in their other SEC games, they are 2-1, and one, beating South Carolina, Arkansas, and Missouri. So I think Vanderbilt's better than I thought they were going to be. I've always thought that Stackhouse ran some pretty good offenses. Didn't think their defense was always great, and their talent has not been good enough. Uh, this is still not a super talented team, but I think they're okay. And these are the last two, and I think these guys are here to stay for a little bit. Ole Miss is 13th. They're 9-9, nine 1-5 nine, in league play, and they beat South Carolina. I made a big hubbub about it over the weekend, so I'm going to have to bump South Carolina down. Nice win at Rupp. That was good, but you've been atrocious the other four SEC games, and you let the second-worst team in the league beat you, which makes you the worst team in the league. And that's what South Carolina, I think, is. So starting at one, Alabama one, Tennessee two, Auburn at three, Kentucky four, A&M is in fifth, Florida at sixth, seventh place, Georgia, eighth place, Arkansas, and ninth, Missouri. LSU comes in at number 10 in the SEC per me. Uh, number 11, Mississippi State, 12, Vandy, 13, Ole Miss, and 14, South Carolina, who is eight and 10 on the season. That's a look at your Southeastern Conference power rankings earlier in the show uh, at the bottom of our number one, I gave you uh, gave you my my gambling picks for tonight. We went two and two last night. We'll see what the future holds tonight in the three games opposite L in the two games. Sorry, opposite LSU. I want to remind you about Strikeout ALS. It's coming at you tomorrow. Tomorrow at Red Stick Social, going to be from five to ten p.m. It's the uh, Nola brothers, Aaron and Austin. They do a great job fighting against ALS. They raise critical funds, raise awareness, and we'll be there tomorrow, Thursday the 19th from 5 to 10. You can purchase tickets at als.org backslash strikeout ALS. I'll be trying to bust some pins. Our guarantee team will be trying to bust some pins. I think we got Michelle Southern from Eagle 981 on the team. I think she's pretty good, apparently. I think Chris Elliott is on the squad. I think the girls from 100.7 The Tiger are going to be out there as well. So we're looking forward to knocking some pins down, raising some money, and having a good time at Red Stick Social. If you can come out, buy some tickets at als.org backslash strikeout ALS. We will come back. We will close this thing out with some take it or leave it. You're listening to The Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer.
listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One more reminder for tonight. LSU and Auburn, 6 o'clock tip-off from the PMAC. It'll be on ESPN 2. If you want to listen to it, you can catch it on our sister station, Eagle 98.1. It'll be a 5.30 pregame. Chris Blair and John Brady on the call courtside over there on campus. Hope you can make it out and make it a nice environment for the Tigers as they try to get back to on the uh, winning track against Bruce Pearl's Auburn squad. All right, let's get on down the road. Taylor Sharp, take it or leave it. Yeah, let's knock it out. Number one seed, Rafael Nadal, lost in straight sets last night in the second round of the Aussie Open. Rafa's Grand Slam days are over. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave that. Uh, They still play the French Open on clay. He's still eligible for that. I will take him. His French Open record is one of the most remarkable statistics I have ever seen in sports. Um, Somebody can look it up. I think he's lost like twice ever. So I think he's somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred and something and two in the French Open. It's ridiculous. So I can't. I am a little surprised as somebody who doesn't follow follow tennis as closely as I used to that he's still a number one seed in a Grand Slam that's not the French. But he still gets to play the French. He lost on hard courts last night. That's a little jarring. He'll be back on the on the clay. Raisin Cane's opened its first Chicago location. Over four hundred people waited in line just to get some tenders. 400-person lines for a Kaniac. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it, not because of the Kaniac, because of the 400 people. I remember distinctly Kane's opening on Uri Drive in Shreveport. Now, Kane's for me, obviously, because it was only in Baton Rouge at that time, was a an LSU tailgating staple. It made me think of LSU because it's the only time I could get Kane's. Well, they opened on Uri. I went four times the first week. So I get the excitement of these people to go grab some Kane's. But if I'm going to wait in line for some canes, it's going to be like 14 people and not 400. <laughs> I will wait in line for a Kaniac. It's delicious. I love the fries. I love the toast. I love the sauce. I'm all for it. 400 people, I'm probably going to go to the place next door. Uh, before we do this next one, uh, Rafael Nadal in the French Open. 112 wins, three losses, yep. 14 titles. <laughs> 114 and three on the clay in the in the French Open. That's incredible. I love stats like that. Las Vegas goalie Robin Liner files bankruptcy this week. <laughs> He's apparently fifty million dollars in the hole. Vegas is a good place to work while filing for bankruptcy. Take it or leave it. I didn't mean to laugh. I didn't laugh at his financial situation. Apparently, this is not like some massive gambling debt. He's not paying off. He got some bad investments and is in some trouble. Uh, with that side of things, so he's filing for bankruptcy. He's still apparently a pretty good goalie and uh, can make some money to help dig out of that hole. Yeah, but Vegas doesn't appear to me to be a great place to do that. Uh, I have been to Vegas a couple of times, and I've I've made the decision uh, like if if I, I plan to go back because I like Vegas a lot. But if you go to Vegas on vacation and you have like this this n- n- amount of money you're uncomfortable spending. Like, it just gets really, it gets really hairy. Like, it's just not a fun place to be. You're constantly counting dollar signs. Every drink at the pool is $14. Every dinner is ridiculously expensive. You buy tickets to a show, try to get a cocktail there, it's 24 bucks. Like, it just, it can be overwhelming if you don't just determine, like, it's a hard place to be. It just is. It's so expensive. And to work, to live there and to work there would be tough, especially when you're $50 million in the hole. So I, I don't envy that at all. 
Aaron Rodgers told Pat McAfee that he's mulling his options for next season. Aaron Rodgers unsure about his NFL future. Take it or leave it. I mean, I'll take that. I'm sure he's unsure about it. it. I just have my reservations about a player signing a three-year contract worth a handsome amount of money and then holding the organization hostage after one year of it and being like, yeah, I'm probably not. I mean, it just... I get that there are people that side with the player saying, hey, you've reached this status in the game. You've only got a couple years left. You should be able to dictate your terms. Then you should have signed a one-year deal. I, If you want to reevaluate things after, you're a Packer until you're not. That's, my, that's just the way I think of it. I think that may be an antiquated thought process to some people, but you signed the deal. If we sign a deal here and then want to leave and go do something that competes, there's a non-compete that's involved it's it's a pretty simple concept that involves that it, 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 it applies to a lot of industry i just don't get this like strong arm aloof thing he does every single year if i was a packers fan it would drive me nuts but i'd want him back so that's i guess the point if if you're wanted enough you can kind of drive the bus it's it's a little frustrating to me because it seems easy to sign the deal and go to work but it's not the way aaron sees it i guess aaron doesn't think like other people either no all right. LSU over Auburn tonight. Take it or leave it. <laughs> uh, oh, man. LSU over Auburn tonight. Take it or leave it. That's the question as I mull it over without a great answer. I told you in my preview that I thought that this was a winnable game for LSU. Um, I'll take it. I'm taking LSU over I'll Auburn. Why it. not? Uh, well, I have a lot of reasons why not, actually, because Auburn's won four league games and has a really good coach and some some really talented players in a deep bench, and LSU's coming off a 40-point loss that was really embarrassing that I didn't watch the second half of. So there are plenty of reasons to pick Auburn to win the game. I'll take LSU. Home crowd. Uh, LSU's got to ma- knock down some shots. Maybe Auburn, like they did at Georgia, has trouble making shots. Wendell Green isn't a great shooter and takes a lot of shots for them. Uh, some of their backcourt guys have been inconsistent, especially KD Johnson. Uh, some of the wing guys are not prolific scorers, and you know, maybe you get Jani Broom in foul trouble, and they're not as, uh, as tough around the rim as they have been. They're fifth in the country in shots blocked. But um, it's wishful thinking, but I choose to think that way at this point in the show. So we're going to take LSU over Auburn tonight. Uh, hopefully that is the case as uh, as the Tigers and, uh, and Tigers. It's always tough when you go into a – you feel like you're going to introduce the game and you're just used to saying LSU first as the Tigers, and the next thing comes up is Tigers as well. You hear the Russ Mitchell intro on that show all the time. He says, there's too many Tigers in the league. Well – We'll see who the, the top Tiger in the league is tonight with LSU and Auburn. Hopefully LSU can get it done. We'll be talking about it on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show will also start to look uh, towards the divisional playoffs. We'll talk about uh, all four of the matchups. This is really the best weekend of the NFL calendar. You've got all the best teams in there. You've got high stakes. You've got football all day, really, for two days. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be awesome. So we'll get to start talking about that tomorrow and certainly recap LSU and Auburn very much looking forward to that as well. If you missed any of the show today, you can catch it on demand at 1045ESPN.com's On Demand tab. You can catch the Hunt Palmer show right there. All the audio is archived there. You can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Just search the Hunt Palmer show. You can find it there. Like, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate that. Gets us in front of as many eyeballs and eardrums as possible. Those of you all on YouTube, you subscribe to the channel as well. Taylor does an awesome job of cutting up a couple segments every day. Post them if you're subscribed. You'll get those, and you can also find the the entirety of our shows each and every day on YouTube. Uh, if you missed it in the first hour, talked a little about the Saints and Chris Olave and 
what him being the number three rookie according to ESPN actually means for the organization. Um, talked a little bit about uh, about the transfer portal with Cardell Thomas moving out as well. I previewed LSU and Auburn at two o'clock. Jason Caldwell joined us in the first hour from the Auburn side of things as well. So dive into all of that as you see fit. Jimmy Ott's game time coming to you from six to eight tonight. Matt's about to drive you home on after further review. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Hope the Tigers get it done. We're back same time, same place tomorrow on the Hunt Palmer Show. Fire!